does absolutely nothing. I mean, the big rush of, of foreign home buyers already came to Canada years ago. Now their money's already here and they're using it as much and as frequently as they want to. That's not going to change because they're here and they already have the loopholes to make it work. Um, you know, the, the anti-flipping law, I see it as a huge negative because the flippers are the people that make the houses uh, beautiful for people to move into and buy. So taxing them means that there's going to be more homes that are not in condition to buy, um, making it more difficult for people that want a house that's uh, move-in ready. Um, you know, there, there won't be as many of those move-in ready homes now if, uh, if people stop flipping homes. So You're listening to the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast with your hosts, Paul Stevenson, David Warren, and Greg Campbell. Let's see what's going on in the world of real estate today. Hello! Welcome back to the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast. My name is Paul Stevenson. I am here with Greg Campbell. I'm here with David Warren. And we just love recording these things. Talking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a very important week of, uh, of conversation. We had a budget that came out uh, since our last episode. Federal budget. Uh, it's been all the talk for some time. And we're going to get into uh, all the dirts. We're going to talk about it, converse. Uh, let me introduce myself first. My name is Paul Stevenson. I'm one of the owners. I'm a mortgage agent at Referral Mortgages. And I'm here with Greg Campbell, as I mentioned. He is a managing director at the agency Ottawa. And joined with us, as always, is Mr. David Warren. He is my business partner, an owner at Referral Mortgages, and a mortgage agent. Gentlemen, how are we doing? We're doing all right. We're doing all right, Paul. I'm, I'm happy to be back after uh, you know a few weeks of madness at home but uh yeah feeling good <laughs> feeling good ready to ready to rock happy to be here how are you guys doing great i'll assume good <laughs> all right let's, let's, let's get into get it. right let's get into this <laughs> yeah. yeah enough of this small talk uh yeah. so yeah so federal budget came out on the 7th and uh there was kind of you know real estate was obviously uh, a lot of a lot of the focus i think especially for us and, you know, there's kind of four main points that we wanted to, to speak to at a high level. What, how did you guys feel about the, before we get into the kind of specifics, how did you guys feel about the announcement itself? And um, do you think it, at a high level, do you think it was uh, beneficial? Do you think it's going to help the economy? Do you think it's going to help the people? Or do you think it's all just, uh, just smoke blowing? I think it's just uh, more of our government thinking that most of us are idiots and, uh, that they think that they're gonna you know make convince us that this is positive that's what i think when i don't think anything's really changing at all as usual for canada <laughs> except for that one point that david really wants to talk about tell, that's how i tell us about it. tell us how you really feel <laughs> yeah well exactly well i can get i can get into it i can get into it i mean you know the two-year ban on home, on foreign home buyers does absolutely nothing i mean the big rush of, of foreign home buyers already came to Canada years ago. Now their money's already here and they're using it as much and as frequently as they want to. That's not going to change because they're here and they already have the loopholes to make it work. Um, you know, the, the anti-flipping law, I see it as a huge negative because the flippers are the people that make the houses uh, beautiful for people to move into and buy. So taxing them means that there's going to be more homes that are not in condition to buy um, making it more difficult for people that want a house that's uh, move-in ready. Um, you know, there, there won't be as many of those move-in ready homes now 
if uh, if people stop flipping homes. So there's uh, there's another way of taking you know a huge percentage of homes off the market if people decide to uh, not pay that tax. And and I will say that because we were, we talked about it uh, I think last week or the week before about the the flipping. If somebody is flipping properties as business or that they do it regularly and or in a corporation, they're paying taxes on the full amount anyways. There's not, you know, it's not based on just a 50% gain anyways. They're paying on that full amount. So anyone that's doing it as a business has been paying business tax sure. on that full amount. Um, so I don't know, like the casual people, again, I think just as you said, Greg, it, like I think this won't affect too much. I think the people that do it anyways, as a business, it's still going to be there, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it, it's uh, it will remove or, or slow down those uh, people that would be updating these homes um, where some, sometimes they're in conditions that banks will not finance. Like some mm-hmm. of these properties, there's no major bank that will finance a, a lot of these flips because they're in such dilapidated shape. And they look to finance banks like your TDs, RBCs of the world. One will only finance properties that are in average or better condition. Like they won't if they're if it if it smells of animal or if it's you know a little bit of water damage or there's a hole in the wall, they won't finance it. Um, and a lot of times in a market where people can't buy homes or that they can't get what they're looking for, um, you know, and, and the banks won't finance these types of properties. You know, it leaves that big gap in the market. So let's, yeah. let's, uh, let, we'll go through each one individually and then we can expand on it. Cause I think you guys, it's a, a great, uh, great insight, but I think for a lot of people obviously that aren't in the industry, they probably haven't, uh, haven't heard of all the actual specific changes that are coming. So the first one that it's we very had good call, Paul, very good call to do yeah, that thank you, thank professionally. You. That's, that's what I do. I make good <laughs> Instead calls. Instead of just me yammering. <laughs> uh, so no, it was good. That was good. Uh, it was funny. We were, out, we were out for dinner last night. We actually were having a conversation uh, specifically about politics and just that, you know, the perception that the general public has, you're just talking about the government thinking that, we're, you know, the general population are all idiots. Um, it, you know, they, they kind of create this left versus right. And you guys are all so different and kind of dividing the population. But at the end of the day, like 99% of the population are right, like very close to the center and everyone has the same goals and same plans. It's just the, the, the powers that be that are kind of making it so polarized, you know? Um, anyways, let's get into it, not to get into a political conversation here. Uh, mm-hmm. But number one, so the first one thing we had was a two-year ban on foreign home buyers. Uh, so the budget contemplated new rules to prohibit foreign commercial enterprises and individuals who are not Canadian citizens or permanent residents from acquiring residential property in Canada for two years. Notably, refugees, foreign workers, and international students on the path to permanent residency are expected to be exempt. And to kind of elaborate on that as well, though, it's not, and to, to Greg's point, um, I think it's less, it's less than 1% of the homes that transact in Canada are by foreign buyers. Yeah. And this yeah. does not, this still allows for foreign buyers to purchase multi-residential. So if you're buying for buying commercial, industrial, multi-residential, where it's, you know, in the tens or hundreds of units, uh, buildings, those are not included in this. This is just focused on residential. So um, again, they, you could still, there's still foreign funds that could still come in uh, through those um, in yeah. those manners. So, you know, I know we talked about it before that in Ontario or in the GTA, GVA, they've had uh, a 15% tax on foreign buyers buying property in those areas. And in Ontario, they expanded it March 29th to 20% province-wide. Um, which had, you know, it certainly impacted even just 
one of my clients right now, but, but it's, you know, really few and far between that, 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 that actually impacts. This is just an outright ban nationally. Um, so again, I don't think it'll actually impact anything, but it'll be interesting to see what, uh, what comes of it. I, you know, I look at these things and it's like, you know, if like, what, what could, what could work? Like, you know, hmm. taxing foreign home buyers. So like, what would really work? And is it even necessary? Like, you know, what do you do? Like it's a 50% tax or something but but does that even matter because like i said half the people half the people who st who started buying you know from out of the country buying in canada started years ago and if it's not working yeah. with uh you know what i mean it just doesn't yeah it just well, Greg, doesn't you're, sense. you're like, also how can they actually stop it you're working under the assumption that these rules are being put in place to actually fix the problem right exactly the other side of that that they might actually exactly. just be focusing on their own careers and not necessarily looking to solve problems just looking to create, you know, <laughs> dude, for possible so, solutions. Create something, possible, possible mm. solutions, right? Yeah. It's like, I, I, I feel that the government thinks if they say ban foreign home buyers, that people born and raised in Canada would be like, yeah, right on. I got better chances of buying a home now. It's like, mm -hmm. dude. That's what I mean. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. It sounds good. It sounds good. It sounds number great. Two. It sounds number, great. Number yeah. two, um, first time home buyer incentives. Uh, which, you know, has been the talk that was talk a couple of years ago, many years ago, when they were kind of brought this in with the home buyer's incentive and so on. So the budget introduces a tax-free first home savings account, which I know we talked about a few months ago would be awesome. So this is very good. This will allow first-time home buyers to contribute up to a maximum of $40,000. Contributions to this account would be tax deductible like an RSP, while withdrawals to buy a home would be non-taxable like a TFSA. So in addition, the budget doubles the existing first-time homebuyer's tax credit from five thousand to ten thousand. Yeah, David. So I know you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, David. For sure. This so uh, take it away, David. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for for this one, it's a TFSA account focused solely on um, for first-time homebuyers. It's uh, again similar to the RSP program where if you haven't owned a home in four years, you can still qualify for this. And you could contribute up to $8,000 a year. Um, it is tax deductible. So it's pre-tax dollars, which is actually pretty great. Um, mm -hmm. But you are limited by that $8,000 a year, uh, as opposed to RSPs where you can just do a lump sum contribution. Uh, now, the flip side of that on the TFSA um, is that you do not need to repay it. So right now, under the first time homebuyer RSP program, you could... You have no restriction as far as how much you contribute to it at one time. So if you have the available uh, limit in your RSPs of say 50,000, you could contribute 50,000, wait three months and pull it back out uh, and get that tax deduction that year. And then have 15 years to repay uh, those funds to your RSPs. In this sense, for this TFSA, this is in addition to the RSP program. Um, it is not eliminating it, but you can only contribute $8,000 a year to that 40,000 max, um, again, tax deduction when you contribute and tax free when you pull it back out. So it is a good, you know, it, it's, it's good to have that other um, tool in the toolbox in addition to the RSP program. It's unfortunate that they cap it at $8,000 a year to contribute because you're having, you know, you're really limiting people and, and making it that they need to contribute five over five years to, to this program um, in order to max it out. And, and I think that is a, a real big like fault of this. I don't know why they would do that when they don't have that restriction on the RSP program. Um, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I agree. Exactly. And why eight? 
Yeah. Where did they get up? It's like an arbitrary number. Like uh, 7,652 is the max per year. It's like, it's like, ju- it's like just <laughs> enough to almost make it not effective because you got to wait. Like it's a five-year savings plan, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, and then, and then in five years, what are you going to be doing? Like, what's the market going to be like? No one knows. It's like, you're, it's like yeah. save to wait, save to wait. Yeah. It doesn't, uh, that, that aspect of it is very, uh, confusing as to why they would put that in place. But, but really if you, um, you know, anyone starting, you can open up the account at 18. Uh, so anyone at 18 or a parent open that account and, and, you know, start contributing again, cause you are limited and will take some time to, to accumulate, but, you know, really being able to combine the RSP program and that, um, you know, you can get up to 75,000 between the two, um, you know, to contribute, which so, is, and so what helpful. happens with this, what happens with this account? If let's say you're saving for a home for five years and then all of a sudden you're like, you know what? I don't want to buy a home anymore. And then you've got this yeah. account. Is, is this only uh, accessible for a first time home purchase? Like you can't, no. you can't take it out for any other purchase purpose, right? No, you, like not, I mean, you can take it out, but you'll be taxed at you get it. Taxed. Yeah. yeah. So it'll be, it, you so, know, because it's a tax deduction up front. Uh, so it's tax free money going in like pre-tax dollars. So just like an RSP, sure. if you pull it out at a later date, it's just added to your income and your tax at that, right. that tax right. rate. Um, so you can access the funds, but um, yeah, I mean, the intention is that it's there for as a first time home buyer. I know I was reading on the weekend, a lot of the banks um, and there's a lot of, articles talking about it, that it was kind of stupid that they didn't just add it to the existing TFSA account um, yeah. and having it as yeah. a second, a, a separate account because it's very time consuming and costly for the banks to roll this out. And they have to have it in place for, I believe it's uh, January 1st, 2023. And there's a lot of, uh, a lot of, from a tech side and setting it up that there's a lot there um, in order for them to do. So they were kind of just saying, why, why wouldn't you just add it on to the existing TFSA? But I mean, I guess it's maybe easier to monitor if it's a separate one. Who knows? Um, not everything makes sense uh, at what's done. Um, <laughs> and then the, uh, the, the tax credit. So in the first year that you buy your, your first home, you can get a tax credit. Right now it's at uh, 5000 That's increasing to 10000 So really, you know, that cash back in the first year you purchase your home, it, it then, you know, really increases from seven fifty dollars to $1,500. Um, they would be eligible to, to receive back. Um, another aspect that's not highlighted here, another useless program that they've extended is the, uh, first time homebuyer, uh, incentive program. Uh, they extended that by, th- by another three years because nobody's been using it. So the funds are still sitting there. Um, you sound so jaded, but we're just trying to be honest. <laughs> you know, it's like, Oh, another, another shitty program. Let's talk about yeah. that one. Um, like it is, it's, you know, the incentive one, I think in theory is great. It's just the criteria to qualify is literally impossible. Like you can't qualify. Like the, the criteria they have and where home prices are, it's like almost, imp- it's like 1% of the population that's going to qualify for it. If you took and, everyone's and income and everyone's situation into account, like it's not 1% of home buyers, it's 1% total. Like it's very hard yeah. to qualify for it, which is why only like, I think it's what 17% or 15% of the funds have been used. Yeah. It, I mean, for those to, to recap, for those that don't know, it's, it's a program where um, CMHC will contribute towards your down payment. So minimum 5% down out of pocket, but they will uh, provide an additional 5% towards your down payment. Now, the caveat being your household income cannot exceed 
120,000. And that is whether the anyone, whether those people are on the mortgage or not. So even if there's others living in the house, their income would technically contribute, but you're capped at four times your income. So it's actually less than what you would normally qualify for. Um, when using your full income, you qualify for typically around four and a half times your income. Um, under this program, they cap you at, at uh, 120,000 household income, four times your income. Uh, so really, you know, the loan, the max loan, I think is like 430,000 or something like that. So it's yeah. really yeah. In, o- only sp- very small market. Yeah. As a total. Yeah. yeah. For the, yeah. for the purchase price, like that, you're not even yeah. loan. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's, that's where we kind of speak to it being, uh, and then CMHC owns a, an equity share in your home as well. So as it goes up or goes down, mm-hmm. uh, you have to repay the funds, but also any of the gains. So if your property value goes up uh, and you have to still repay that 5% within 25 years uh, and as well as a f- that 5% gain. Uh, and on new builds, they'll contribute up to 10% towards your down payment. But again, take a 10% stake in the equity share as well. Um, First time home yeah. buyer incentives. What can we say? Um, yeah. You know, I, I'm just reading some more of this here and it's hilarious, right? It's like, it says budget 2022 proposes to provide, you know, it's always proposing. Nothing's mm-hmm. locked in. There's no confirmation that any of this is even going to happen. You know, what's the, yeah. what's the next one they got there? Sorry, sorry to interrupt there, guys. They got, yeah, no you know, they got the 4 billion over five years starting in 2022, 2023 to launch a new housing accelerator fund that meets the needs and realities of cities and communities while providing support, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. I mean, we've talked about this before. Like, is that actually going to happen? Are they going to be able to speed up the housing development? How fast are they going to do it? I mean, I don't yeah. see it happening. It's, They'll get like a quarter of it, into a quarter of it, and then it'll everything will change again. It, and four billion. Yeah, I mean, it'll, a, be, oh, go ahead, it'll be tough. It'll be tough to even hit any of those numbers. I mean, there's just right now for building, there's just not enough tradespeople, period, to even build. So you can you can throw as much money into that market as you want for supply. But if the supply chain is so backlogged and you don't have the proper people to actually build the homes either um right it becomes challenging so there's not really much addressing that side of things either um and creating incentives for people to get into the trades and into that area um i think it was just they they implemented a uh um you know for trades people relocating that you can write off or you can as a tax deduction of four thousand dollars to help move you know some really kind of skilled trades people throughout the country to help kind of with building, but really it's not, there's not really anything there. There's nothing really to incentivize individuals to get into the trades, which would then also help this supply side. Um, but that's really the, the, where everything is. And then that main issue is, is in the supply side. So. Also, it sounds minutes. like, like four, when they throw out a number, like 4 billion, you know, it sounds like, Oh, wow, this is, this is great. But it would be interesting to see like line item, like wh- what is that money going towards? Like, it's great. It's going to an accelerator fund. Like, how are they using that fund? Like, what is the money actually going to be used for? Like it says here, that aims to create 100,000 new housing units over five years. But then it says the budget also provides one and a half billion over two years for the construction of 6,000 homes. And, and so, where, do, where, where do these billions come from? Yeah. Just more, exactly. bi- more billions, more billions. One being used. billion dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Am Lots I, of billions for that. I don't know. You are, oh, you are in many ways. Yeah. Um, and the last one here, number four, which you kind of touched on quickly, Greg, was the anti-flipping. 
So it says the budget contemplates new rules requiring any person who sells residential property they've held for, for less than 12 months to be subject to full taxation on their profits uh, as business income. This will apply to residential property sold on or after January 1st, 2023. Notably, exemptions would only, sorry, would apply for Canadians who sell their home due to certain life circumstances, example, death, disability, birth of a child, new job, divorce, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. So Dave, I know you've I mean, done many flips in the past. So like what, as, as, as an investor and also as a, you know, being in the industry itself, like how do you feel this will or won't impact things? Um, so those that do it as a business anyways, it won't impact them. Um, when you're, so just as you said, I've, I've done a number of flips. I have uh, both claimed it on my personal, uh, personal income taxes and, as, and, and, you know, but more recently in the last several years, uh, through a company. Um, in either case, it's the full gain that is taxed at. So when flipping, it's business income. And so it's taxed, you know, I'm, I'm being taxed and that income is being added to my personal income taxes and being taxed at that tax rate. When I'm doing it in a company, again, it's it's at, a, at the corporate tax rate and on the full gain. So it's not just on that, just not, not a, the 50% capital gain, you know, kind of, uh, aspect. So, you know, will it impact things? I don't see it really doing anything. Um, I think it's for the odd person out there that's looking at, you know, casual flips. But again, I, I find those clients that I'm talking to that are looking at doing a, a casual flip. Cause they watch a lot of HGTV. Uh, they, uh, don't even consider in a lot of cases, the, the tax side of it and, yeah. you know, and yeah, what, and what, yeah, like you know, the, all they look at is really just what the what their interest rates going to be, their monthly payments, mm -hmm. and and you know what they think the future value will be, but not really in a lot of cases even considering, you know, closing costs and holding costs and and realtor fees and um, you know their full budget plus contingency and then taxes, and so a lot of times it's just kind of they look at a very small subset of those expenses, but not the whole scale of it, and taxes is. 100% of the time, well, I shouldn't say 100, 99% of the time left out of that equation. So people that are kind of looking at doing it casually anyways, this is not going to stop them. Um, is it going to... <clears throat> kind of, sorry. I think, it'll I, think, I think what this is really gearing towards is the speculative buyers. Um, is is buy, you know signing new sure. build purchase agreements ages ago uh, for the purpose of just closing on it and selling it. Um Again, whether that just becomes that, you know, becomes more advantageous to leave a property vacant then for six months or a year. And so now maybe you've just got vacant properties sitting on the market to cross over that threshold um, until it's, you know, from a tax standpoint. So I, I think no matter what, on most of these, most of the policies that are put in place in a lot of cases, there are loopholes, there are ways, you know, that people will find around them. Um, it's on, you know, Fortunately, unfortunately, whatever way you want to look at it, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't see a lot of these really impacting much. I'll be interested to see whether the what the uptick of the first-time home buyer, the TFSA account is, and what the and how the accelerator fund is is rolled out um, over time. I mean, we all know. I, I don't believe the for the ban on foreign buyers will do anything or the anti-flipping, um, but I'm curious to see what the uptick on the TFSA and the uh, and whether there's actually any new homes that do get built under this uh, initiative, the accelerator initiative. Yeah, and, here, and here's the thing, yeah. kind of going back to what Greg said, is that the, the majority of people 
unless you're in the industry like we are, like you're kind of dealing with this casually. So you're only seeing the headlines. You're only seeing, you know, like like if you're a parent who's working full time and you have kids and you see this headline of, oh, there's this new first time home buyer uh, savings account, tax free first first home savings account. You're going to just start putting money into it because it, it, it sounds great. But like you don't actually mm-hmm. understand the implications and so on. And I think the same thing, like, you know, anti flipping, like, you know, that would probably deter a casual person who's like, well, let's do a home flip, you know, after watching HGTV, well, it might deter them from doing it. Like, oh, there's an anti-flipping rules now. Well, let's not even bother anymore. You know, it's just kind of those, that you read the headlines and it sounds either really good, like you said, Greg, like, oh, banning foreign buyers, like, whoa, like go team. Um, but yeah. when you actually read it, it's like, it doesn't really have much of an impact. So I think a lot of these things are just, you know, I don't want to say headline grabbers, but I mean, they sound they really are. good on a but high level. Are, yeah. But then as we talk through them, like as we've done today, it's like, are they actually going to make a difference? Is this actually going to have an impact? I guess we will see. Time will tell. But we've heard things like this before, like the incentive that came out, I think it was four or five years ago. Like we said, like we said from the beginning, this is not going to change anything. And it's it's barely used because it's impossible to qualify for it. The first, yeah. like mm-hmm. the first time savings account, as you said, people are going to be putting money in there and then they're going to get in a position, like you said, Greg, in three years where they're like, well, I don't want to buy a home and I have, you know, $24,000 in this account now. And you know, what happens then? Or like you said, in five years, you have 40,000 saved and now you need 60,000 for a down payment. So they're in the same yeah. position they're in today. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see over exactly. time if these actually do have a positive impact or if it's just headlines that sound great. It's, at a high well, level. yeah, it, it almost seems like it's built to, uh, you know, make, make the government it's- look even worse in a couple of years, right? When none of this happens or does anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like they're sabotaging themselves. I, I, th- you know. I think the, the, the unfortunate thing is that there's not enough time I feel spent on building out the budget and, and bringing in experts in, and sure. consulting on experts in those areas. Um, you know, the, you know, a lot of people writing the policy, unfortunately, you know, and it's not their fault. And we talked about last week that, that they're not experts in that area. They write the policy or they rate these budget budget line items, but they, you know, there isn't full long consultations with how this ripple effect will be. Um, you know, even at a high level, you look at that TFSA account, very simple, you know, straightforward. Why not do it as a lump sum? $40,000 that gets you 20, that gets you a $200,000, $200,000 home with 20% down. Mm-hmm. Um, so like what, what home are you buying at that when the average price in Toronto uh, for homes is is a million um, or higher, and 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 Ottawa is at eight eighty. So, what what are you using that forty thousand for? And if it's taken you five years to accumulate that forty thousand, <clears> home prices have just escalated that entire period of time mm-hmm. as well. So you're again like, how is that really benefiting you, or where are you getting um, going with that? And I, I think to that point, it's just a lot of it, unfortunately, is is not done. You know, they're great. Some of them are good ideas at a high level, but then the implementation kind of is where it fizzles out, and yeah. uh, and they become and they become useless and and and, and underused, uh, where some of them will and would have could have an impact on things, but they're just not uh, uh, kind of that that implementation or that full fully thought through um, kind of line items. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Doesn't seem like anything is fully thought through. <laughs> I think yeah. I think what people need to do is stick on the path that they know best. Just get talk to your professionals, talk to your realtor, talk to your mortgage specialists, and come up with a plan for now. 
for now and the immediate future. Don't look at any of these tools to really help or impact mm-hmm. your path to home ownership. You know, just uh, don't buy into the headlines, basically. I mean, Dave, Dave, to your point, like based on now we're basing this on Ottawa, but you know, the average home price around 800,000 that even if you made a lump sum of 40, that's the, well, it's not even enough for the minimum down payment because you know, 5% would be 40, but you know, once you get over 500,000, then obviously your your down payment increases to 10% Mm -hmm. for for everything over the 500. So 40,000 literally isn't even enough for the minimum down payment on the average home price in Ottawa. So this is obviously federally, so it, you know, it should have an impact in some markets, but in Ottawa or Toronto, like you said, which are kind of the main markets that we're focusing on, even if you made that lump sum, you still don't even have enough for a minimum down payment on a single yeah. home. It's, it's, ma- it's maxing you out at $650,000 purchase. Mm-hmm. The average, you know, which mo- a lot of townhomes are selling for more than that, you know, a single detached, you know, in Ottawa, the average, I think last month was what, 880 or 850 or something like that. Toronto is over a million. Um, so, you know, really, again, like you said, Paul, like that isn't, you're, you're not even allowing for that, that, uh, that minimum down. Anyways, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll see as maybe they'll take her with some of these, hopefully, um, you know, the, again, the, you know, they can take it with them after the fact, whether that'll happen unlikely, but, uh, we'll see. It's a starting point, I guess. And we haven't had one of these in a few years, so at least yeah. it's uh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of money to a lot of money to to recover now. So we have uh, lots yeah. of taxes, lots of taxes. Uh, yeah, Greg, only, you. Oh, sorry, Dave. Go ahead. I was just going to say only a fifty-six billion dollar deficit this year, so it'll be yeah. Uh, yeah, we're trending only fifty-six bill. <laughs> quick, smooth fifty-six. Uh, yeah. Greg, quick, uh, quick market update. I know you guys were, we were kind of talking before we came yeah. on the show that there's uh, some homes kind of sitting right now. We're expecting a lot more to come on. Do we know how many are listed or what, uh, any numbers from the last seven there's, days? Uh, there's a lot more listed. Um, there's a lot more coming out every day and the prices are the average sale price to list price is still high. It's still averaging 110%, but mm-hmm. there are some, there's a price adjustments being made. Some are sitting, selling later. Um, some are getting offers at list or under list. So it's not, uh, it's not like every house is, um, is perfect, as we always say. The ones that are really nice are, are commanding top dollar for sure um, in any price point. But um, yeah, with the amount coming out, like I think we're about a thousand more than we were, you know, on the market now versus January. So like the shift is, is happening. And buyers are in a position now where if they lose on one today, chances are there's five more that they can go bid on tomorrow. Yeah. And I think that's a huge positive change for, uh, you know, just to keep people motivated as well. And that does slow the market, right? Because then you have someone who was only looking at one home and having to fire with 10 other offers. So now they actually have a week of five to 10 homes they can go look at and they're making a more informed decision and, there's better comparables for the values and so on. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it's good. The prices, uh, the, you know, they seem to be slowly kind of balancing out a bit. Um, you know, you're not going to see, well, I mean, I say this, but you're not going to see too many townhomes selling, you know, 775 to 800,000 um, as you would have a, a few months ago. I think, uh, you know, and a lot of the list prices now are coming down in the sixes and they're just selling in the low to mid, uh, mid sevens. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think the next th- four, three to four weeks are going to be very interesting to see. 
like big shift right now. There's, there's also for those, uh, those of you that have a variable rate mortgage or shopping as well, but the bank of Canada rate announcement comes out on Wednesday. Um, and it's likely they're increasing prime by there's talk of, uh, it being at 50 basis points for the first time. And, uh, Wow. I think it might be history uh, of at a quarter point or a half point <laughs> instead of a quarter point. Um, but uh, so something to be something again that will also impact the the market as well of of that demand as rates rise. You know the five year fix. A lot of lenders are over four percent. Like I know TDs around four oh four three nine nine high threes, very high threes for insured. Um, Prime coming up, affecting variable rate mortgages, lines of credit, uh, student lines of credit, things like that. So it'll be interesting to see, like you said, Greg, over the next few weeks as you know, Bank of Canada makes this new announcement on Wednesday and, and raises that, plus all the added supply on the market uh, of how the, uh, how the market reacts and, and to, what, to what extent. We'll be here yeah, for it. And, we'll be here for we'll it. We'll be here. And I mean, everybody that I'm working with now, it's great because like, you know, I'm out looking at condos, looking at homes and I'm, I'm, I'm able to look at five, six, seven at a time, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was out with this uh, one first timer last week, you know, we saw a couple and then there's like, there's like, you know, we're going to get to see, I think six this week. And we're kind of like, it's, it's indifferent now, you know, it's like, we're looking for that perfect condo because there's options. Yeah. So it's, oh, it's exciting. Hey. Yeah. No, we always say we always we always talk about it that it's uh, it's a great thing when there's options for for buyers and not feeling so rushed and and being able to get conditions in or yeah. things like that. Um, as as much as the comment uh, the the comments on our our videos are always to the contrary that we want <laughs> that saying that uh, we always want multiple offers and bidding wars and yeah. that's just further from you the know, truth. All of us I hate them. I should mention as well, too, with the, like you were talking about the fixed rate, Dave, like this definitely will now, the stress test will actually have an impact Increase. on things because when we're qualifying people for those mortgages, it's the higher of two things, either the stress test rate, which is the five and a quarter or the rate offered by the lender plus 2%. So if lenders are at 399, you know, the stress test now will implement it. We're basically qualifying people at closer to 6%, right? So it, yeah. it has a massive, well, it definitely changes your, 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 your affordability when we're and, qualifying you. So. And I think that's a great point because those of you that are realtors or buyers that are listening, still listening, um, <laughs> you should really get re pre-approved the numbers that you yes. might've had that you've been, that your clients or that you were pre-approved at two months ago even a month and a half ago is irrelevant now. Um, because if you were, if you had a pre-approval done on a fixed rate, it was being qualified at five and a quarter. And now your rate would be qualified at 6%. Um, like Paul said, even 604 and, uh, or higher. And, and so that will eliminate and reduce a lot of that, your upper buying limit. And, and you should really, uh, do yourself a favor and, and revisit your numbers before, uh, before starting to fire out offers. Yeah. Food boost gentlemen. I do have three. Oh, All right. Well, surprise. Pulled them, out of a hat. pulled them out of a hat here. Um, they're, uh, they're, we'll see. <laughs> Number one. <laughs> um, this is a great episode, by the way, I'm looking forward to, uh, to hearing the feedback. If you're still listening, as we said, we want to hear your comments too. I know we're giving our opinions, but we're only three humans. So, uh, you know, we want to hear what you have to, what you think about these, uh, these new changes as well. 
Uh, mood boost, number one. Uh, when has the moon had enough to eat? This one seems obvious. When it's full. When it's full. Um, what happens when you talk to a cow? It goes in one ear and out the other. Okay. Yeah. And last, last but not least, Greg, uh, did you hear about the population of Ireland? It's Dublin. I like that one. It's like yeah. Ottawa. Small, one. small smirks right now. Small smirks. Yeah, very one. small, yeah. Like, like, I'd say like a half to three quarters on three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Point three, full, three on three. Not even a full one. Not a full one. Not a full yeah, one. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. They were, they were, they were last minute things. Um, thank oh, you everyone man. for dealing with us and uh, accepting yeah. our wild opinions. Uh, but as I said, I, I'm very interested to hear feedback. If you're, if you're listening to this, please leave a comment, uh, send us a DM uh, on your thoughts and we can certainly answer these questions or, or speak to your comments next week. And as always, we want to thank uh, North Brew, who's our coffee sponsor. If you go to northbrew.ca and use the promo code podcast, uh, they'll give you 20% off all of your coffee orders. And 20% of your order also goes to help the Ottawa homeless community. So great coffee, great cause. And gentlemen, hope you have a great week. Hope you have a great week. It's going to be an interesting one. I think next week we'll have a lot to talk about. Between this episode and what's happening and the homes coming out, I think we're going to be firing on all cylinders next week. All right. All right, guys. Great week. Take care. Thanks for listening. See you later. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please remember to like, share, comment, and subscribe because we'd really like that.